today. Um, about seven years ago, the Lord put a word in my heart, and um, it was called The Five People You'll Meet in Heaven. There's a book by the same name by Mitch Alcom, but it's a novel. Um, I didn't read that book, um, but just I like the title, so I just took the title. Um, but I am not going to present that entire word because I listened to it, and it is like an hour and 15 minutes long. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God. She's not going to do that whole thing, um, but um, I'm just going to present a portion of it today and for what God has. Um, I'm going to ask you to just really open your heart. This has been a morning of many distractions. We, were, we got here late. Many of us, um, that's not you, just many of us had distractions. Um, that's why I just had to leave and take care of something, and you all sat here and stared at the stage. It's been a morning of great distractions. Uh, the Sunday before Queen for Day is just a whole lot of fun and uh, people go missing, they go rogue, they disappear off the planet Earth, and um, it's okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, that's fine. Um, okay, and I, thank you, Annabelle. Thank you. I, I didn't say all that for that, but thank you. Um, sorry. This message brought in my tears. I didn't. I cried through the last time I shared it. If you're looking for me to hoot and holler, you'll have to buy a CD from another service, because probably a lot of this I will cry through. It's very close to my heart. And it changed the way I live. And uh, even yesterday, it challenged me again. And I even found myself late last night realizing how much I needed this word yet again. Heaven will reward you. Don't look to man. Heaven. Isaiah 64 and 4. I'm going to start speaking. And then we're going to pray. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits for him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. One translation says, in words that entered into the heart, what God has prepared. Rebecca, good to see you. For those who wait for him. We are on the verge of forever. And this morning should change the way that we view everything. The common words of Jesus that we take all too common, John 14 and 1, the Living Bible says, there are many mansions in my Father's house. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not true, the Lord Jesus says to you today, I would tell you. So comfort one another with these words. And the ironic thing is in the Greek, comfort means to entice, excite, motivate, and to change. This word is to change you. I want you just to lift one hand. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I welcome you into this room and I ask that the heavenly witnesses that are around us would peer in this morning. I ask for heaven to press in 
Lord, let our minds let go of all the things in life. Things good, things bad, things we understand, things we don't. But open our heart, Lord. Today, Lord Jesus, I dedicate this to you. To the heavenly host who are listening. To those who are listening by podcast. And to the leaders who have carried Queen for days so many years. If they were the only four people in this room. It would be my highest honor. And I thank you, Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And amen. What if I told you this morning that you had one day, one day to prepare for a hundred years? How important would that day be to you? C.S. Lewis said something very powerful about heaven. He said, all their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning the chapter. One of the great story which no one on earth has ever read. It goes on forever in which each chapter is better than the next. One day, I'm not going to, I listened to my version of this for years ago and I made people repeat so much I told Pastor I got on my own nerves. So I'm going to try not to do that to you this morning. But one day, you see young people, you see brothers and sisters. This life compared to eternity is merely 10 seconds. There's your life. There's your whole life compared to how long you will live in eternity. And this morning, if I probably said, who wants to go to heaven? We probably all, in fact, how many this morning want to go to heaven? I don't mean right this in this moment, but on your day, in that time, how many want to go to heaven? Everyone wants to go to heaven. Most of the time we want to go to heaven because the option is really horrible in our mind. And, but sometimes we don't know if we really want to go to heaven, but how does this sound to you? No more common colds, no uncommon cancers. Everyone would have their day and no one would be second-class citizens. Prisoners and slaves would be free. The hungry would be full. All would be at peace with one another through all eternity. How does that sound? The Hebrew has a word for this connectedness of what heaven shall be and it's called on the earth shalom. And shalom is a word. If shalom were true here today and what it will be in heaven, then all marriages would be healthy and all children would be safe. There, those would have too much would give to those who have too little. The Israeli and the Palestine children would play together on the West Banks. Their parents would build homes for one another. In offices and boardrooms, executives would secretly scheme to help their colleagues succeed. They would compliment them behind their back. Tabloids would be filled with accounts of courage and moral beauty. Talk shows would feature mother and daughters who really love each other and wives who give birth to their husband's children and men who secretly are dressing as men. I personally love that one. Um, disagreements would be settled with civility. There would be lawyers, but maybe they would have really purposeful jobs like delivering pizza, which is non-fat and very low in cholesterol. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Doors would have no locks. Cars would have no alarms. Schools would no longer need police. There would be no need for hall monitors or anything like that. Every kid would get picked for a team and no child would really be left behind. Churches would never split. Our national sleep deficit would be paid off. Starbucks would still exist but would only sell decaf. <laughs> Divorce courts and battered women's shelters would be turned into community recreation center 
And every time one being would interact with another, it would be only for good, encouragement, and affection. No one would be lonely or afraid. People of different races would join hands and they would honor and be enriched by their differences and be united in their common humanity. And at the center of that entire community would be the Lamb, the Son of the living God, whose presence radiates and drives darkness away consistently. How does heaven sound for you this morning? Give him a hand. How does heaven sound? If you're like me and you grew up in the uh, you grew up in the church, you grew up sometimes not hearing so many great things about church, and sometimes you would hear um, people say when in your Sunday school, when you get to heaven, there's going to be singing, 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 and harps and harps and harps. And as a little child, you're thinking that is like the most boring, disgusting, horrible existence to just sing. I mean, there's a few of us like me that you know if you go with pastor we're going to sing sometime in the journey we're going to sing if I'm at the gym in the 70s come on I can't help it I'm breaking out in music and my trainer will say hit it Rhonda and before I know it I'm staying alive staying alive and uh, I love to sing I grew up in a family that loves to sing you get my family together and it's, it's singing everywhere in fact my new fiance of my brother and brother said I love your family every time I come here it's like coming to a musical or something to a great musical she was like a church convention mixed with a musical and everyone's sharing words and we're not a perfect family but a lot of ministers in my family and and it is that way and people love to sing but to most of us eternity of singing dear god help us um, Martin Buchanan says, I assume you're like me. I can get itchy skinned and scratchy throated after an hour or so of church. I can get distracted and cranky when it goes too long. My feet ache, my backside numbs, my eyes glaze, my mind fogs, my belly growls. I find myself fighting back yawns and then not fighting them back, letting them gape and roar a signal to my oppressors. Let my people go. <laughs> and he said, and I'm the pastor. When you think about eternity, it's funny how little we think about eternity these days. Um, I'm part of a Facebook group called You Might Have a Heritage in the Church of God If, and it's hilarious. Phil Stacy and I loved getting to know him and meeting he and his wife last night. We're laughing about it because we were both part of the charter membership, unbeknown to us, but people added us. And it's just so funny because there's all these stories about the rapture. And growing up in, in my house, and um, we always, you know, had this person we called. If mom and daddy weren't home and they arrived back late, you didn't have cell phones, there was always the most saintly person, Pastor Tony, you can probably identify, that you called just to see if they had been left behind too, in case you had missed the rapture. Some of you don't understand that. That's the way we were raised. And there's a hilarious story there about Dr. Paul Kahn from Lee University. And I wish I had a pen or something, because I didn't know people made prank calls this way. But I'll do it with my finger. But evidently, he would call people with a stick in his mouth. And he, if it was somebody he was calling this, so he's calling this great saintly woman because he thought he'd been left in the rapture because he was living like a dog. And so he called and the son answered the phone and he knew he was living as bad as he was living. So it didn't comfort him that maybe he had been left from the rapture too. So he put a little stick in his mouth and goes, hello, his sister Sonor stared there. And she answered the phone and then he just hung up. It was a thing we had. We did not want to miss the rapture. And you always had your top five people. My brother and I identified with each other it was my grandmother lt phillips that we always called she answered the phone hello hey grandmother what you doing nothing what do you need nothing grandmother just seeing how you doing love you bye 
Because all you want to know is, have I been left behind? Do I now have to go through the tribulation because I lied to mama? Look at your neighbor and say, no more of that. No more of that. But we are to live differently. The first two seconds you get into eternity, you will be asking yourself, why did I waste so much time on things that did not last? Life is a dress rehearsal. Eternity is the production. Philippians 3 and 7 in the NLT says, I once thought all these things were important, but now I consider them worthless because of Christ. 1 Corinthians 7 and 31 says, we should make good use of the things of this world without being attached to them. Imagine stepping into heaven if you're wondering. Let me give you a vision before we get into the first person. Imagine walking into heaven right now and there's a room full of people. And every eye that sees you, knows you, and loves you, you know that by looking at them. They have no comprehension of your shame and regrets. That moment in your life that you're embarrassed about, everyone has more than a few. That moment when you failed, that moment when you embarrassed, that moment you did something you shouldn't have done, and you even thought people that didn't know looked at you or you were carrying personal shame. You walk into heaven, if you were to walk in there today, every eye would see you, but you would know that all they see in you is the good in you. You would know that you would try to compare yourself to someone, but you couldn't. You couldn't gauge yourself up against them. You see, you could not because heaven is a perfect place. The first person you will meet in heaven today is the person that sacrificed for you. The person that counted your life as precious and valuable. When you get to heaven, you will meet people you never knew. They never knew you. They never knew your name. They never knew your face. But to them, the cause was greater than their personal needs, their goals, or their success. They didn't consult their feelings. They consulted the cause the fathers that came to this land, the fathers that fought for the freedom of America, the fathers that believed that one person was important, that a cause was always greater than what they were feeling. The fathers, your immigrant fathers that came to this land, the only people that are indigenous to this country is the Indian. So outside of them, most of us, except my Indian brothers and sisters that are in here, your great, 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 great daddies, granddaddies and grandmas sacrificed greatly to leave their impoverished countries, to cross across rivers, to come here across land, to make this place a place. When you get to heaven, you're going to meet the person that sacrificed for you, the person you never knew, the person that believed. Luke 6 and 32, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those that love them. Evil people love them, love those that love them. But when you get to heaven, you're going to meet the first century church. Those that gave their blood after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What a great day to speak of them. Those that gave their children. I know you don't like for me to mention this. You've told me. Those that their children, their baby children. You'll see a child up here in a moment. Their baby children were dressed up in sheepskin and taken taken to the middle of the arena as prey for lions to rip their body to shreds because their parents believed in Christ. You see, those were the kind of blood-bought believers that knew if they didn't take a stand for Christ, there wouldn't be a church in 2012 that could worship God in freedom. Oh, somebody ought to give them. They're watching you from heaven right now. They're listening to you from heaven right now. 
that you could have freedom in worship, that the church would still exist. They gave their lives. The Roman emperors lit up the streets with their bodies impaled. That's how they lit up the walkways. By you, by your ancestors, the first century church, they impaled them and then lit their bodies with fire. So when people would walk, they would see what happens to those who follow Christ Jesus. But they loved their life not unto death. They sacrificed that you could sit here. Why do I count it significant for people to go to the house of God? Because there are people that gave the blood of their children. They gave the life of their children that you would have a place to worship. And we can't drag our sorry backsides out of bed on a Sunday morning. We think it's too much to give God two hours at least. I'm sorry when they gave everything they had to cause you you to have a place to worship Jesus in spirit and truth. Somebody give God a better hand clap than that. But our society has decided it's just too much. And go to church twice a week, oh, that's beyond reason. But they gave everything for worship. They sacrificed. They sacrificed. In heaven, you'll meet the person that has sacrificed for you and you'll be surprised. It might be a man from Ghana who in the middle of the night, the Lord woke him up. He couldn't sleep and he didn't try to just roll over. He got out of his bed and he got on his floor and he said, God, what is it? And God said, just pray, son. Just pray until you pray through. And that man got on the floor. And what you didn't know at the darkest moments of your life, that man didn't know you. That man didn't know your face. But that man was led by God. And in that night, in those three hours of the watch night, that man interceded. And you know that thing that almost took you out? You know that situation that you faced? You know that heartbreak that seemed too hard? And you didn't know how you were going to live when the life was suffocated out of your being somebody in a distant land heard the cry of the throne room someone that was not attached to the things of the world someone that lived in a hut that didn't have much to their name but served God with everything they had don't be surprised when they are the ruler and the potentates of the heavenly kingdom and we might be the street sweepers because they loved not their life even to death you need to live today for eternity somebody give God a hand clap of praise and God says they are ruling in heaven today they're ruling in heaven and I don't know your thoughts on war but blood was shed in the Old Testament blood was shed in the New Testament blood is shed now the first person you will meet in heaven is the person who sacrificed for you the second person you will meet in heaven is the person you sacrificed for Parents, I want to speak to you first, and then I want to speak to all of you. There's usually not a greater sacrifice than one that parents give. Last night, late, I was standing with a, a parent of one of the Hope House girls, and as I was talking to them, I, I saw the pain in their eyes. I know that pain all too familiar. I've seen it. I've heard it in the parents of those who have, in many times, walked themselves, their children through. Parents, I want to tell you that Hebrews 6 and 10 to all of us says, God is not unfair to forget how you have worked for him, how you have shown your love. Say, God is not 
unfair. You see, people that we sacrifice in this culture of parents, before I speak to all of you, one of the most beautiful things that I experienced in my house was waking up in the morning and hear my father praying on the other end of the house, not knowing I could hear him, and to hear him praying and to hear him crying out to God. I would hear him crying out for ministry. I would hear him crying out for people, but I would wait there underneath my covers for that one pivotal moment when he would speak my name and say, God, take care of Rhonda. All the days of her life, she will fail you. She will disappoint you. Father, she is imperfect. I'm her daddy, I know all too well. But God, I ask you in every moment that you would pick her up, that you would love her, that you would take her to a higher place in you. The sacrifice I heard coming from him and him praying for my siblings, it has never left me to the degree now that that is the way I normally, it is my MO. You want to know, parents, why it's so important to treat the things of God as holy basketball programs are wonderful school programs are wonderful I think it's great for a child's life to be well rounded but I'm going to tell you they will come and go but the faith you instill not even just family time family time is wonderful but family time without God in the center of it will bring no effect but it's reminding your children what is holy it is sacrificing to let them know to daddy and mama there's nothing more important not just attending church though that is crucial good god called you to be part of a community but it's saying that the very fabric of our life is our love and our belief in god he is the reason we do everything it is said about the jews it's not as much that the jews kept the sabbath but the sabbath kept the jews it is not as much said about me that i keep the sabbath but the sabbath Sabbath, the times I worship with my brothers and sisters keep me parents that sacrifice we make and I know there are things we cannot do for our children and I know parents I know grandparents your children your grandchildren they have no idea they have no idea the young people have no idea the sacrifices that have been made they have no idea of the conversations behind doors of the prayers, the searching for God to make things happen. We can't provide our children with everything, but we try to meet their needs. And I'm going to tell you, C.S. Lewis said, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. John 15 and 13 says, greater love hath no man than to lay his life down for his friend. When you get to heaven, now to speak to all of you, you're going to meet. I had Wendy stand up here because great sacrifice by her mom has gone in. Looking good with a feather necklace. Love you. Um, great sacrifice has gone in to her. Great sacrifice from her mom that is here. Wendy was so, just so bound by alcohol. And the Lord saved her, brought her, the Lord brought her to Hope House and there she was saved. She was shaking like crazy the first Tuesday I was teaching her and the pastors had already been working on her. She was shaking like crazy. But through a period of time and days and people praying, all of us praying, all of us believing, those shakes were miraculously delivered by the most high God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You would have had to have seen it. But the people that have sacrificed for Wendy, her story now, just stay there, Wendy. Her story now speaks to me 
Because when you sacrifice for someone, don't expect them to pay you back. Don't expect them to pay you back. When you sacrifice for someone, oh, we should, you sacrifice for eternity. Don't, don't. If you could listen to this 50-year-old who's been around the block, at every moment, count on heaven to reward you. Count on heaven to notice you. Count on heaven to know who you are. Count on heaven to remember you. You see, when the widow put the mite in the offering across the way was someone in the eyes of the world sacrificing lots of money and throwing lots of stuff down. But let me tell you something about sacrifice. God judges you according to the portion that he gave you. Jesus didn't talk about the one with a lot of money. He caught the attention of the widow's might because it crippled her to give. There's been seasons in my life when I felt my sacrifice compared to what someone was doing was so little and at times so overlooked. But heaven has entreated me consistently. Jesus has said, let me reward you. I know what this has cost you. Brothers and sisters, some of you are sacrificing so much in your marriages. No one knows the weight you're carrying. Some of you are sacrificing so much pressure and no one knows. But let me tell you something. Heaven knows. Someone say heaven knows. Jesus gave an invitation to the young rich ruler. And he said, the young rich ruler said, what do I have to do to be saved? And this is what Jesus said, Tiffany, sell all. And the rich young ruler just walked away. He didn't understand. He got an invitation of a lifetime. It's like a, a man living in the Mexican slums in a hut and someone saying, I'm giving you New York City. I'm giving you New York City at your disposal and saying, no, I can't move. I can't change. In one of the books through heaven's gates, um, all the resources I have this morning, a lot I, I cut out, but all the resources I've used are books that have been validated and credited through the years and they've been well studied and well dissected by people I greatly trust that are elders in my life. And one of the greatest books, Rebecca Springer, through heaven's gates, talks about heaven and she talks about she had a she died and she went to heaven and she came back and she said that she walked up to her house and her brother-in-law was building her house and she walked in and she looked and there was roses in the cement of the floor and she touched them and they were grafted in the cement she said how did they get this way he said sis one day I was working on your house. We were so excited. The master said you were coming and we could hardly wait. And we were so excited. And four young kids walked up just, just having the best time of their life with tools in their hand. And they said, is this Rebecca Springer's house? And he said, yes, it is. And they said, we came here to work. And they went through the house and they started engraving these roses in the floor. They started putting these roses in the ceiling. And Rebecca said, why? Why did they spend their time? He said, they said they came at the master's invitation, that the master invited them to express themselves. Sorry. Thank you, Jesus. In your house, for all that you planted in them, they said for years you taught them in Sunday school. For years they were blessed by your consistency and your faithfulness. They could clock you by the time they knew you'd walk through the door. You never, if you missed, you were sick. You were always faithful. You taught them of the love of God. And the master invited them. I'd rather have the master today invite people into whatever I shall live in 
to express themselves for sacrifices than I would earthly titles or gain for eternity. Seth will live forever and ever. The person you sacrificed is worth it. The sacrifice that you have given, the Bible says, lay up your treasures where moth and rust cannot destroy. You see, you will meet people in heaven and they will say, you sacrifice for me and this is for all the queen for a day. We're going to meet a lot of women in heaven. And they're going to say, I was so low and didn't think I could get through. But you invited me in. You bestowed a crown of beauty on me. I can imagine in a lot of your houses and all the people that have helped us through the years, wherever they are today, that there are crowns that people have put in your floors and in your ceilings some of you men are saying I don't think I like that but maybe God will put something different in your house maybe a big baseball would be good for you come on the person you sacrificed is worth it will you give God a hand this morning the third person you'll meet in heaven is someone you never knew on earth ones that the earth did not want what would you just stay right here this will work good we'll walk together what would heaven be without children? Every book I read, every story I read in my research for this, which was exhaustive many years ago, heaven was full of children. First of all, it's the unwanted ones that were ended in the womb. Thousands upon thousands since Roe versus Wade that are living in the heavenly splendor, growing. And the, the scenes that I saw or read about were so incredible I couldn't repeat them to you and, and hold my emotion the beauty of Jesus laughing that people saw in their trips to heaven with the children the way he was teaching them the way he was raising them the children that have been miscarried that never made it to the earth you see on this earth many have been barren and, and we pray for God to open that womb but in heaven there will be many needed to raise a lot of children Many thousands upon thousands. When Jesus does sound that trumpet, the rapture will take place. Everyone that has put their faith in Jesus Christ will go up. And that will be all children under the age of accountability. There will be many parents left behind. Parents who did not put their faith. If you understand the age of accountability, it means the age that you began to know right from wrong. And you were given the right or the opportunity to accept Jesus. And there will be millions of children that unfortunately did not make it. There will be children that died that their parents will not cross it. But there will be a huge, vast number of people. You see, we look at earth as everything. God has an eternity to make up any inequity we have here on the earth. In heaven, there will be thousands and countless of little people. People to make the world go around. People to bring joy and laughter. And to some of you that hate animals, everyone that had a vision saw lambs and lions and beautiful things walking around and lush valleys and pastures. There was schools and universities. There was choir rooms. You know these old movies back in the day, everybody was white in heaven. You know, I think Hollywood has done a much better way the last few years and heaven is full of color. And 
and heaven is full of glory and heaven is full of great coliseums, great acts. And you know what? Everyone that visited heaven, the elders weren't sitting on their throne. I know they depict that in Revelation. And Jesus, I don't believe when we get there, we'll be seated on his throne. I know my Jesus. He's going to be moving through the universe of heaven for all times. He's going to be visiting other galaxies and giving his life if need be for them as well. Jesus will be at work, will be at work. Heaven is not going to be a lily pad. Heaven is not going to be forever, but you are going to live forever. We need to make today count. Somebody give God a hand. Come on, somebody give God a hand. Matt, if you would come help me. The fourth person you will meet in heaven. is the person you didn't see in light of his love. This is the big bump in the road before we get to the fifth one. Guys, the person you did not see in light of his love. Heaven is not high school. In high school, we often see, whoops, we often see people in light of who's the coolest, who we need to be seen with who can up us, who by hanging with someone can make us look better. We categorize those who have it going on and those who don't. The biggest and most awesome thing I love about my husband is dragged me, but he is always hung with those to elevate them instead of those that could elevate him. It's hard to understand, but in our early ministry, some of the people that started we did were always jet-setting. Always jet-setting with, the f not people in this city, but jet-setting with the fast and the fabulous. And it seems like we were always, because of pastor's burden, spending time with people who needed someone to lift them up. You see, we often want to be elevated by people we're seen with when we are to elevate people by being seen with them. We are to cause others to be elevated in God's eyes by being seen with them. We judge other people through our experiences, through our likes, our don't likes. Rick Joyner wrote the book, The Quest, and in that book, Rick Joyner is very respected, the lead of Morningstar Ministries. And in there, he had a vision. It's very prophetic and it's very long. I'm just telling you one little thumbnail of it. Because in this vision, he saw two men people that we did not see in the light of God's love. One man was zealously witnessing on the street and passing out tracks. The second man was walking in a park, a homeless man, and a little kitten came across his path. He reared back to kick it, but he pulled himself back. And God said, Rick, which man has found favor in my eyes? And Rick said, Lord, it's obvious. The man who's standing on the corner preaching, no, Rick. No. That man who's standing on the corner preaching was raised in a wonderful family, blessed finances, best college, traveled, had everything at his disposal. But he only used 75% of what I gave him. The second one, named Angelo, was born deaf. He was abused and kept in a dark attic from the time he was born until he was eight years old when the authorities found him. He was shifted from one institution to another. And abuse continued and finally he was turned out to the streets to overcome all of this I gave Angelo three portions of my love and he used every bit of that just to not kick 
had that day. In this vision, Rick saw Angelo sitting on a throne. And God said, you're Rick said, God, you're kidding me. You've made him a king. You've made him one of your kings. Please tell me the rest of the story. He said, Angelo was faithful to what I gave him. So I gave him three more portions. He used those portions to keep from stealing, though at times he was absolutely starving. But he used my portion. He restrained himself from stealing and someone gave him a little bit of yard work and he raised money by collecting bottles. And then one day, someone gave him a track. And while he was ready, reading that track, I opened his heart and he accepted me into his life. He said, Rick, Rick said, oh God, he's sitting on the throne. He got saved. How many people did he win to you? He must have been on national television. He must have won so many. God said, no, Rick. He lived his life in poverty. He spent half of everything he had to buy tracks himself for other people. He won an alcoholic to me. And I did that just to encourage him. It encouraged Angelo so much. He would have spent the rest of his life standing on that corner just to win another soul. But I couldn't do it. And this is the killer. He said, Rick, all of heaven entreated me. Please bring Angelo home. When I heard that, I thought, Lord, I can't imagine heaven saying that about Rhonda Davis. I wish they would. I wish heaven would say that, not that I want to die, not that, but I wish heaven saw me with so little, doing so much, with a heart so steadfast, that they would cry out, bring that one home. And the reason heaven said, bring him home, they said, Jesus, he looks so much like you. They loved him and he was faithful. He overcame with very little. This is what the Lord told Rick Joyner in this vision. Listen, he said, but many of my people today are living in houses that kings in former days would have been envied of. But because of conveniences, you don't appreciate the homes I've given you. You don't appreciate the cars that you drive. You don't appreciate the electricity. Angelo lived in a cardboard box. He was homeless. But he made that place a place of glory. But you have so much more, Sisterhood. And have you made it glorious? Angelo rejoiced more over an apple than you do over your feast, said the Lord. And Rick, the Lord said, you passed him many times and you called him crazy. Rick says, Lord, I'm so sorry. He said, I forgive you, but I'm giving you this message to give to the world, Rick. Angelo was a martyr. He died trying to keep an old wino alive. He considered himself the least in this world, but in forever.
he shall rule and reign with Christ Jesus. And people will be surprised to see. You see, we've got to live with eternity in mind. The greatest on this earth shall be the least in heaven. Those most known shall be the least. This is not high school. We've got to live for eternity. We've got to listen to this message in these closing moments and live in light of eternity. Every moment that we live, we make issues so big. We make our personal wants so precious. If people don't do what we want, if they don't go the way we want them to go, if things don't move the way we want them to move, if we think we're overlooked, if we think we're overlooked or mistreated, we complain and we murmur. This life is 10 seconds compared to eternity. In every moment, we've got to live forever. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? The fifth person you'll meet in heaven is a person who had a really hard moment in life. And I'm using moment for a reason. I heard the most incredible testimonies from Focus on the Family of a man named Mike and a woman named Melissa. For some reason, early in my ministry, the Lord began to use me um, to speak into the lives of daughters caught in an alternate lifestyle of homosexuality. I don't really understand all that, but the love He gave me has been deep. And there are many in chains today and I believe in God to unravel those chains and to set them free. I've seen Jesus do it. I didn't do because some of them walked away, not only walked away from me, but hurt me afterwards. I didn't do it for them. If they're free and they live for eternity in heaven, I have done my part. But this awesome testimony was a woman named Melissa and a man named Mike. And Melissa had gender confusion but she wandered into a Presbyterian church caught up in a lifestyle. A church that was full of nothing but a few senior citizens. Go figure. God's going to call her there to get healed. That's all it was. And they start having her to Bible study, her and her lover. Start teaching them, her and her lover. The story that she tells of this, I had to pull off the side of the road. I don't think it's just because of my heart. Heaven filled my car to hear how loved one out. And these senior citizens loved these girls who went their separate ways. And now Melissa shares her testimony. She shared it with Joni. Powerful. People in life that had a hard moment like Melissa. Listen to what she said. Quoting Charles Wesley. Can it be that I should gain long my imprisoned spirit lay? Fast found in sins and nature's night, my eyes diffused a quickening ray. Wake the dungeon and flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose and went forth and I followed thee. Powerful testimony that leads us to 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. For our light affliction, everyone say our light. Affliction, come on, say our light. Affliction, which is but for a moment. For a moment, for a moment. When Jesse Duplantis went to heaven and had a vision, Paul stopped him and said, Jesse. And he said, I was so freaked out that he knew my name. And one of the angels said, Jesse, 
I love this. Woo, I love this. Said they all know who's speaking their words. I said, yeah, no wonder I speak your words, Paul. When I get there, you're gonna know me. And uh, he said, Jesse, Jesse, before you leave, tell my people they've missed it. And he said, what? He goes, they've misunderstood. Second, Second Corinthians 4 and 17. Our light affliction is just for a moment. For a moment. You see, it's working for us afar more. Say afar more. Exceeding glory. You see those times in our life when we went through a, a season or even our whole life for heaven is just a moment. But it's working glory. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever it seems to be too much, whatever you feel in your life has been unfair, God is working glory through it that moment and in heaven there will be those there will be those who prayers did not get answered in the way they had hoped promises that were unfulfilled by others circumstances that seemed unfair there will be all of those but God says change it back to a moment you see Romans 8 and 28 says in these closing moments for we know everyone say for we know no means our hope is not based on positive thoughts not a Hollywood idea but our but we know is based on Christ we know he causes say he causes that means he has a grand design behind everything to make everything say everything work together say everything work together you see your mistakes your illness your death your disaster whatever it is he can cause it to fit his purposes the biggest mistake in your life he can cause to fit his purposes because Matthew 19 and 5 says then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe and Pilate said behold the man you see I love an old song that says he taught me how to live but I taught him how to die I caused all the pain the day he gave himself the day he wore my crown in 1 Corinthians 9 and 25 it says of these people it says of you Paul says they run for a corruptible crown but we run for an incorruptible crown in that day they competed for a crown it was a wreath of flowers and it would be given to them and that crown would be given them and they would run so hard to compete in the race but while Paul says this this will go away this will not live. This earthly crown of a better title, a better position, the things that we aspire, the American dream, this thing that we want, better clothes, better car. Oh, God wants you to be blessed. Those are corruptible things. They will vanish. They will pass away. But we run for an incorruptible crown that shall not fade that shall not perish somebody give God a hand clap of praise before I end maybe that's you there'll be many of us that we'll look back on the moment and we'll say you're right Lord it was only a moment I'm glad I didn't give up I'm glad I didn't walk away I'm glad I realized it was just a season I'm glad, Lord, that the glory you're working in me far outweighs it. Thank you, Josh. I'm going to read to you from Revelation because I want to tell you something in this closing moments before we pray. We're going to take communion. In fact, if you'll get the communion trays and bring them up, and Pastor Todd and Pastor David are going to 
We're going to take communion for ourselves and we're going to take communion for the women coming to Queen for Day this weekend. And we're going to pray over that. We're going to invest this morning. I pray the word has done its work in you this morning. But we're going to take communion for that. But I want to read something to you. John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a voice behind me and I turned to see who the voice was. And there he stood. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I, John, was a companion in your brother in tribulation. I was on the Isle of Patmos, having been boiled for oil and left there to die. But it was in the Spirit of the Lord I heard a voice behind me. And he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. You see, heaven is a person and his name is Christ. I am the first and the last. And he said, write what I say to you. And I turned to see the voice and I saw him standing. He had seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the seven was the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about his chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were a flaming fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in furnace. His voice was as the sound of many waters. He in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in his strength. And listen to this, because I want to explain it. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he said, as he laid his right hand on me, do not be afraid, John. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys. Everyone say the keys of hell and death. I heard this so much portrayed in a magnificent portrait by Richard Fuller, who was a professor at Theological Seminary to tell you that heaven is a person and he said when he was five years old he was in a Sunday school class and there was a man who was dressed up like Santa Claus and everyone everyone was scared all the little kids saw Santa and they were sore afraid come on somebody and they they were shaking and Santa kept saying come sit on my lap come sit on my lap and everybody's like and all of a sudden everybody pushed little rich this is you and me little rich terrified pushed by all the other students went and sat in Santa's lap and he's just looking at him he's scared and he's just crying and all of a sudden Santa pulled his beard down and whispered said hey hey don't cry Rich it's me Mr. Cooper your Sunday school teacher come on it's me it's your friend Mr. Cooper I love you I love you you know me you know me you know me don't be afraid You see, when Jesus saw John fall dead at his feet, when Jesus saw John, when John saw Jesus standing in all his glory with his hair white as wool and his feet bronzed, a sword out of his mouth, when you see Jesus, not going to be a sword coming out of his mouth, that was a picture to show you that his words were dividing the nation, that he had conquered hell and death. The last time John saw him, he had resurrected with holes in his hands. You see, but he saw him in all of his glory, and he saw him in all of his power, and he was overcome at that great Lord Jesus, standing with all of his glory and his power. Who wouldn't want to drop dead? Who hasn't ever sensed an angel come into the room and want to pull your covers over your head and say, please don't show yourself to me. Because that holiness and that glory that comes in the room and John's flat on his face as if dead. He can't even handle to look at him. But Jesus came down 
and he tapped John on the shoulder and he said, John, it's me. It's me, Jesus. The one you leaned on at the Last Supper. The one you walked with and talked with. The one who loved you and you loved. It is me, John. Stand up because today I'm holding the keys to hell. I'm holding the keys to death. I'm holding the keys to everything that's ever existed or will exist. I beat hell and I beat death and I beat the grave and there's nothing that my church or my sons and daughters will ever face that I have not overcome with my power and my grace. Somebody stand. I'm done preaching and give him a hand in this place. Come on. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Come on. Put your hands together for Jesus. That's the person you're going to come to. Every hand lifted to God right now in this house. Every hand lifted to the Lord Jesus. Come on, eyes closed. Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning. Thank you for helping me through this message, Lord. I'll probably not ever stop crying over. You know what eternity means to me, Lord. I want to stand before you and I want you to say, you did more with less and you loved me. I want to be like Angelo, Lord who did more than even the portion she gave. The person, Lord Jesus, this morning that sacrificed for us will meet in heaven. The person who didn't, they didn't consult their feelings. They didn't say, how do I feel today? Wonder how it's gonna look for me today. Am I gonna look cool? No, Lord, they didn't look cool when they gave their lives in the middle of the arena for me. There was no coolness when this very city was shed in blood to bring freedom to America. There was no coolness. There was no title. They didn't consult their feelings, Lord. The people that we're sacrificing for, we're going to meet in heaven. Lord, every man and woman that's standing in here is sacrificing if they're following you for somebody. They're not worried about how they look. They're not worried about how they feel. They don't worry if anybody will recognize them, but they are sacrificing for somebody. Lord Jesus, the children that the earth did not want will join us in heaven. The fourth, Lord, person that we will meet, like Angelo, that we did not view in light of your love. We looked down on them. We looked over them. We did not notice them. Lord, we want to change that today. And the people that are going through a moment today, God, that sings like an eternity, and they fought some hard battles. God, I know they're here. I know they're listening by podcast. And right now in states of California, to New Mexico, to New York, Lord, to Georgia, where people are listening to this podcast, Lord Jesus, and they're facing insurmountable odds. They don't know how they can go on. Lord, come to them right now. Strengthen them. Let them know this is just a moment that the glory will be equal and greater than the suffering. That you are mindful of them. You're mindful of the load that they're carrying. You're mindful of them, Lord. And you want to minister to them, God.
We speak strength to them. We speak strength to our listeners right now. We pray an anointing to come into that car. Many have been telling us they're listening to them on their cell phones. Some of them, Lord, are sitting in their houses. They're sitting at their computers. Let the Holy Spirit go forth right now and minister to you, my dear friends, and encourage your heart. Eternity matters. God sees your sacrifices. In Jesus' name and amen. Now to the church here. We're going to take communion as we finished our podcast. We're going to take communion. And when you do, I'm going to 